Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. Welcome to America's Heroes Group. This is Saturday, August 5th, 2023, and we're going to start our segment off with our community outreach. That's LULAC, the League of United Latin American Citizens. August is National Wellness Month. You just heard our host, Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Cleveland, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our d- digital producer is media producer Ivan Ortega, Scott Turner Production. Of course, the dec- our executive producer, Glenda Smith, is not here today, nor is Ivan. So you're seeing us on WVON Live now. You can log in at WVON.com and see us also on iHeartRadio if you want to take a look at us. We don't have our Facebook or YouTube running today, not live streaming today on that platform. But we are on WVON.com if you want to take a look at us and see what we look like. We have a panelist with us today, and that's Danzita James, U.S. Iraq combat veterans, currently chair serving on the LULAC National Military and Veterans Affairs Subcommittee and CEO of Repatriate Our Patriots. And, of course, our one and only, Stephanie Collada. She's a U.S. Army Sergeant First Class. She is a veteran, founder, and co-creator of the Veterans Legislative Voice. How are you guys doing today? Great. Excited to be here. Outstanding. Yeah, we're doing great. Uh, Thank you for having us. So we have uh, something really, really big to talk about today. So there was some some changes to the the UCMJ, which is the Uniform Code of Military Justice. That has changed with an executive order and also by congressional approval as well. So what are we talking about with these new changes? These particularly pertain to sexual assault on military communities, military bases, and and the like. What's going on with this? Well, I mean, a couple of days ago, President Biden had signed a new executive order. And if anybody wants to look it up, it's Executive Order uh, 14103 or 14103. And... Basically, there was a lot of changes that happened, 223 pages of it. And what it does basically is follow a lot of recommendations that the Sexual Assault um, Independent Review Commission had uh, recommended, which was a couple of years ago that President Biden and the Defense Secretary Austin had put in place. So then they received some really great recommendations. And now they had passed um, a few acts that would actually follow those recommendations. And then President Biden passed this executive order. The executive order basically establishes the rules um, about the new office that is basically kind of like a military DA, district attorney. Mm -hmm. The military doesn't like that term, but they haven't given (laughs) us another way to explain or compare. Why why would the military like that term? I know they don't want outsiders. I I don't know. They haven't really given us a reason, but I wanted Mm -hmm. to point that out just in case if there is any issues. Um, It's uh, called the Office of Special Trial Counsel. 
And they're independent military prosecutors that basically decide whether to prosecute um, certain offenses like sexual assault, domestic violence, child abuse, or murder. Um, so for those that don't know, um, currently for these, for these offenses and many other offenses, commanders have that prosecutorial uh, authority to make for whenever somebody commits these crimes. And so they can decide whether to do a courts martial, you know, what have you, different judicial uh, options. But now it's taken out of the chain of command, and now it's for these um, special people that are independent from everything else. So that way there's no um, undue command influence. And that's one thing we talked about before in our previous shows. You mentioned a lot of times where a person is sexually assaulted the commanders kind of decide whether or not they even want to do an investigation. And if the person really wants to pursue an investigation and that's something as serious as sexual assault, oftentimes the chain of command might be the people who very people who put you in that bad situation or maybe even assaulted you. Well, actually, the chain of command is not supposed to investigate a sexual assault at all. As soon as command or chain of command finds out that there was a sexual assault, they're technically supposed to let the um, investigators know. So for the Army, it's CID and CIS for Navy and Marines. They're supposed to actually um, call those folks so they can do their investigations. Um, so, but they will, they had been um, investigating sexual harassment if they do receive um, those reports as well. So sometimes it gets a little bit confusing between the two. Um, a few other things that the executive order did that hasn't been actually in, pre- in previous acts that had been passed by Congress is that the professional agent, basically the victim advocates and sexual assault response coordinators are now independent from the chain of command. They're no longer assigned to the units. They will be their own entity and um, all will be full-time, no more part-time guys. So like myself, who was a sexual assault response coordinator for a brigade, uh, I had 12 other duties. (laughs) Mm. So it's really great that now that they can focus just on this and give all they can for this. And it also um, provides them a way to keep in this career. For those that also don't know, if you're a military person assigned as a victim advocate or sexual assault response coordinator, even full-time, you might only do the job for two to three years, get reassigned elsewhere, and never do the job again. Well, Mm. you lose all of that great knowledge and experience. So for those that want to stay in that career and actually do some more work and get better and just make a difference they can now so Danzita james so you have actually worked in this field as well because you are part of a, a nonprofit organization the national military and veterans affairs subcommittee of the inner ceo of the repatriate our patriots tell us about your organization what is it all about and how did you get it started yeah so repatriate our patriots uh, which i'm the ceo for we are a nonprofit organization that focuses on uh, serving veterans who have been deported. And, you know, and in this case, we actually have one female veteran who was deported after being sexually assaulted in the military and not receiving proper casework management. And when she left the military, she was suffering from several uh, different types of trauma because she did not feel safe enough to report the sexual assault that happened in her unit. It was, uh, it was a senior um, to her rank, and she did not have what now it could be a safe space to seek assistance for it. 
um, in LULAC, the League of United Latin American Citizens, uh, began advocating for this uh, during the tragedy that happened at Fort Hood, Texas with Vanessa Guillen. Um, and to see this happening now, right, we, it's, it's, it's culminated years of hard work uh, along the families of victims and the, uh, everyone who has survived this terrible process just to see the change that is coming. It seems like it's been a long time coming. So what took so long, do you think, Stephanie? Oh, well, for a while. Um, so back in 2013, for those that are that do not know, um, the media and also Congress became aware of how sexual assault was still not being um, properly uh, managed. It goes all the way back from the 90s and even before that with Tailhook. And so they had congressional hearings, and many congressional people decided that they should take these um, offenses away from the commanders, the prosecutorial authority, and it was pushed off and it was delayed. And for those uh, that were part of those hearings and things, one of them most definitely was General Ordinero. I can never pronounce his name right, but he was there and he really did promise that they're going to fix this, keep ha- uh, let the commanders maintain this authority for good order and discipline. We're going to make a difference. Well, after those uh, congressional hearings, you know what, the number got, the numbers got better. The prevalence of sexual assault dropped. The reports for sexual assault increased. So that's where we really want to go. But the thing is, is that after a couple of years, they laxed a bit. And so they went back to their old ways and a lot of things just did not improve or get better and sometimes got worse. Mm-hmm. And so back in for calendar year 2021, when they did the last prevalence, that's uh, they found that there was almost 36,000 service members that were sexually assaulted that year. Wow. And of all the women in the military, that's 8.4%. Hmm. For all the men in the military, it's 1.5%. That's just prevalence, though. And only 20% of all of those that were sexually assaulted actually submitted a report. Wow. That's something only like 20%. one in four, yeah, one in five. To, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Now I was just going to say that you also have to think about that when the commander is made aware, right, that a sexual assault has happened in his unit, his or her unit, um, they, they, they run on their, um, their OPRs, right, the officer's um, review assessments that they get. So a lot of times I know that we find out that some leaders were keeping their under the rugs and not really reporting the sexual assaults because then it damaged and it tainted their unit name and the quality of leadership that they were doing. Hmm. Yeah. There's been a lot of reports of command influence that has caused a lot of problems. Um, so the War Horse had done a really great investigation last year, and it was mostly on the Marine Corps and their judicial system. For those that are interested, uh, the first part of it is called How Sugar Daddy Deals and Black Book Deny Service Members Justice. Mm. You can mostly just Google Warhorse War Judicial System or Investigation, and it usually pops up, and it's a really good one. Another thing that had happened recently was that, um, so a couple of weeks ago or not so long ago, charges were jo- dropped on a Navy corpsman from a group that they called them. Uh, more socks three case so it was one of the guys that had 
pretty much accused and convicted of murder of a former special forces, but then defense contractor in the war zone. And so three guys were convicted of this, and one of them, uh, the cases were actually dismissed because they found undue command influence on trying to get the guy convicted. So there was a lot of retaliation and there was a lot of issues going on for the defense attorneys for this service member. So they thought that they were going to get retaliated against if they were able to get the guy off, basically, and not get charged. But this was also, you know what, prove, uh, you know, they're innocent until proven guilty, not mm-hmm. the other way around. So that's how we got to treat this. So for removing these things and these authorities away from the command, this might not happen again. Hmm. And from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, there's, there's a propensity for sexual assault in the military. Something like one in four women report um, some kind of instance of sexual assault or harassment. Is that still accurate? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. still accurate. And one in ten for men. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, Denzita, yeah. so when you look at these numbers and see what's going on, what's your hope for the future? What do you think? Um, how do you think this will impact um, military culture, particularly when it comes to this simply, I think this is a matter of respect, respecting all your, your, your fellow service members, the people you serve alongside, whether you're a Marine or a soldier or a sailor or an airman, making sure that you respect that person's um, body and, and their personal, um, and their personal uh, liberties because you're violating a person when you impose yourself on that person. So what, how do you think that's going to change that military culture? Yeah, and I really, uh, really hope that this will set, you know, a path to ensure the accountability uh, of of those who have, uh, you know, committed this uh, this act, and not just the accountability, but the prevention of major crimes in the military. Um, I know we're focusing on the military sexual assault problem, but also uh, murders and child abuse. And for her Texas we found out that there was um, a sex ring going on that was being managed and handled by a senior enlisted um, individual assigned wow. to Fort Hood, Texas, right? So if they're... Uh, ahead. You still there? Yeah, I'm there still here. Yeah. yeah, so if, if we have leadership, right, that you're supposed to trust and that you're supposed to be able to come and confide and let them know what issues are going on, who are the lead the lead individuals in sex sex rings in prostitution on the military base, right? I really hope that this changes the culture of to know that there is punishment and you're not gonna be covered up by your leadership, by your command, by whatever your job is or what role you have in the unit, right? Because it's not the commander or the first sergeant who are going to come and investigate you. It's going to be a completely different agency that doesn't really know you, and all they care is about the evidence that is there. Hmm. And then also, yeah. too, what, in, your, so in your personal life, um, are you a military veteran or no, Danzita? Yes, I am. Okay. And tell us I'm about a, your I'm service. I'm an Army veteran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm an Army veteran. And I'm actually a survivor of military sexual trauma myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I served from 2001 to 2006. I did two combat tours in Iraq. Uh, on my second combat tour is when I was uh, sexually assaulted. And by the time I came back, uh, then this happened in, in the war zone, right? By the time I came back, I wanted nothing to do with my unit. I did not feel safe. I did not feel like I could trust the leadership above me um, to handle the case. So I got out. I was out of the military and back in the United States in 30 days. 
Um, and so for me, it was a very, uh, it was a very traumatic uh, moment, aside from the sexual assault itself, but also the lack of trust, right, that I had for, uh, on, on my comrades, those who I was fighting next to in the war, the ones that were supposed to have my back and the ones that were supposed to protect me were the ones who assaulted me. Mm. Uh, so for me, uh, as, a, as a woman, as a Hispanic woman in a unit where I was actually a physical uh, gunner, right, I, I just completely lost the trust and lost faith in what the military stands for. Um, we are in a different country fighting the enemy, but there are enemies among our ranks. That's got to be heartbreaking because you're, you're, you're losing your career or something you dedicated your life to because of something that should not ever have happened. Yes, and for me, uh, it was really a survival exit that I made from the military. I was someone who had planned to serve 20 years to be, uh, you know, a command sergeant major at, at one point who loved what I was doing. And uh, it, instead, it was cut short by unfortunate circumstances. And I didn't really want anything to do with it. And as a, as a result of that, I lost, um, you know, some of the benefits and uh, that I had with the VA. I didn't get any medical examinations. Um, and so I really just wanted to run as far as I could from the military that I thought I could trust. Wow. wow. Yeah. And it's so, it's, the story is so common. So many women veterans um, do not even see themselves as veterans. And a lot of times they, they have a really hard time getting to the VA and getting the VA disability and going through the motions. I went to um, an event at my women's clinic uh, a couple weeks ago, and there was a lady in her late 60s. She became unemployed, and that's when she, when she was trying to seek help. That's when she found out about VA disability. She got out in 78, never wow. even knew anything that she could get and all of these different things, but she also didn't want anything to do with the military. Mm-hmm. So um, it, that story is really common, and it's really heartbreaking. Well, this is a long time coming. As I said before, I'm glad that this common sense move can help potentially help make the military stronger by enforcing accountability. When people make mistakes and do things they shouldn't be doing, something as egregious as just controlling your body, not forcing yourself on someone else, whether it's a male or a female. Yeah. Um, yes, and there's so much more we hope for in the future. There's still a lot of things that can be improved, and we really look forward to see where these new policies could make some difference. So we're eagerly watching the next reports and statistics that will be coming out. So keep us posted, Stephanie, as you always do. Thanks a lot for being our correspondent. No problem. Thank you, Dee. Thank you very much. Thank you, Denzita Thank James, you, U.S. Iraq combat veteran, currently chair serving on LULAC and, and National Military and Veterans Affairs Subcommittee and the CEO of Repatriate Our Patriots. This is America's Heroes Group. Once again, see us on WVON.com today. We're not on Facebook Live or YouTube right now. But you can see us on, face, on uh, Facebook next week, hopefully, as you always normally will. This is Sean Claiborne. We'll be back in one minute. This is America's Heroes Group. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.